Those of you who saw me running out a minute ago, I realized I still got this dry cough kind of thing going on, and I love to sing. I, I hate not singing, and I just couldn't quit coughing, so I went to find my handy-dandy little black thing, that cup that matches this, and I remembered I left it in discipleship class last week, so I went in there, couldn't find it in there. I went to Lost and Found. There it was. <clears throat> and I just say that because I don't know about every month we have to, Lost and Found just fills up. Maybe it's all my stuff. I don't know. We, at some point, we have to just give it away, you know, so we, we go and give it to some charity. Um, but if you've got, if you've been missing stuff, it's pretty full back there. Maybe you got some stuff too, but I, I found my, my black cup, but in the meantime, I found an old uh, army cup that I had when my son-in-law was in the army, so I got it too. All right, uh, this morning we're, we're again looking at the fifth commandment. Let me just turn us there. We can uh, start by, by reading it. Uh, I want us to spend a few more weeks on this. This morning, uh, I had a great question last week after the sermon. Uh, a, young, a lovely young lady came up and said, I really was convicted on I need to have a Sabbath uh, rest. Uh, can you just give me some practical steps on how to do that? This morning's message answers that question for, for all of us, and it comes from Exodus 20, verses 8 through uh, 11. Let me read it. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, there's our Sabbath command again, the, fifth, the fourth commandment, excuse me. <clears throat> Let's see, if, if, if you don't have one of our magnets that have a summary of the Ten Commandments, they're on the table, a hospitality table and the lobby, and you're welcome to get one of those on your way out. They, they stick on stuff, you know, so you can uh, put them on your your refrigerator or other places uh, that um, I tried to stick it on my uh, speedometer, but, you know, I have a problem with speed, so I, I removed it from there. Well, let's see. See, I, I'll try to go through it. If you already have it, let's see if we can go through it together. Uh, commandment number one, make no other, or excuse me, have no other gods. Make no idols. Speak well of God and for God. Keep the Sabbath day special. Honor father and mother. Commit no murder. Commit no adultery. Commit no stealing. Tell no lies against our neighbor. Do not covet. Man, you got it pretty good. I, I won't go over it again. We'll do it each week, and uh, little by little, we'll have it. I want us to think this morning of just how to uh, have time with God. Uh, maybe you've fallen into the trap, the dialogue between quantity time and quality time. I've messed up that a, a lot. Um, I, I, it really came to me when I was talking to my kids, I think, one day uh, about uh, them saying, hey, Dad, we, we'd love for you to just come play. I said, I don't have time to play. They said, well, spend some time with us. I said, I do spend time with you. You know, I, I say prayers with you every night before we go to bed. And they're thinking, uh, two minutes? No, that's not cutting it. I was under the impression if I spent quality time with them that that would be better than quantity time. Because if I go play, I mean, that's hours. Well, let me tell you, that's bogus. If you don't spend quantity time with someone, you're communicating to them 
You just don't love them. Quality time is important. We need time where we talk and communicate and pray, do stuff more intimately. But if you don't have a quantity of time, you're not really communicating well. When, when, when I go and spend a day with, when I go and spend an hour or two, I might call it, well, I'm, I was just playing. But the people I'm with, with spell it L-O-V-E. You're, you're treating me as though I value. I'm, I, I'm significant because you're giving me hours and hours of your time. The fourth commandment is a command about time. And we, we need to see it that way. If, if God wants time with you, if He wants time with me, and I'm just giving Him two minutes here or there, God say, you know, that doesn't really cut it because I reserved a day for you. And you're neglecting that day. The first commandment is on really, the first four are all about worship. The first commandment is the focus of worship, the object of worship. It's God. Have no other gods. Only the one true God. He's our focus. The second commandment is about the manner in which we love Him and worship Him. We do it in a way that pleases Him. He says, I'll give you nine reasons why images do not please me. I want you to love me in a way that I love being loved. Second commandment. The third commandment is when you love me, speak well of me. Speak for me. So it's the language of love. The fourth commandment is the time for love. The time for God. And we need to give God quantity time or we're really not communicating strongly a love for God. Similar to His love for us. So I want to answer the question, well, how do I do that? Because out of the 90 references in the Scripture on the Sabbath day, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of bullet points on how I'm supposed to spend a day with God. I mean, I understand coming to church, singing songs, giving tithes, offerings, praying, doing the sacraments. I get that, but a couple hours, I'm in, I'm out, we're done. Then what? How do I give quantity time to God? And I want us to kind of work through that. Number one, verse 8, he begins with the word remember. So let's block it out. Let's remember there's a day. And let's block it out. The Sabbath day is coming around every week. Block it out. Put it on our calendar. He says, don't forget it. Remember it. I don't know about you. I have to block it out. I have to block out stuff. My schedule fills up. When, uh, especially when Patty and I had three kids still living at home, and they were all old enough, especially when they're old enough to drive, uh, everybody had their own calendar. And our schedule would fill up. And we would typically spend an hour or so on Sunday afternoons and just talk about our week. How are we going to schedule everything? And I'd be asking her, what, what you got tomorrow night? What you got Tuesday night? What you got Wednesday night? What you got Thursday? Oh, you don't have anything Thursday night? I'm, I'm writing right now. Date Patty, Thursday night. I would have to schedule my wife in. Now, when I did that, she said, oh, I'm just another name on the calendar. No, she didn't do that. She said, he values me enough to put me on his calendar. And when you would call me and say, hey, can, can we do something Thursday night? I'd look at my calendar and say, no, absolutely not. I got something very important. 
I blocked it out. I scheduled it. And I scheduled her more than once, thankfully. But I did put it on the schedule because it's valuable. If you don't get on the schedule, you weren't valued. You weren't communicated with. We didn't have time together. Might have had a little quick phone call. Quality time, yeah. But no quantity time. To get quantity time on the schedule, I think you have to block it out. How many of you put on your calendar, remember God's day? Remember the Lord's day. Let's block it out. If you don't block it out some way, you're liable to stay up way too late on Saturday night and not have enough energy and passion to truly delight in God on Sundays. But if it's blocked out, you know it's coming. You're prepared. And it becomes a day of worship and praise and feasting and dancing and rejoicing. Because it's been scheduled. It's been planned. So whatever it takes for you, I'm telling you, the word remember means put it on the schedule. You don't just kind of waltz into it. Oh, I forgot. It's Sunday. That's what he's saying we don't do. But it's something that's so on the schedule we're looking forward to and we're planning and we're preparing for it. Second, keep it set apart. Not only do we remember it, also in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it. The word holy means sacred or set apart. Keep it set apart. The word profane in the, Greek, in the Hebrew especially um, Old Testament, when you see they profaned the altar, they profaned the Sabbath. The word profane means to make common. Remember the Sabbath and keep it sacred. In other words, don't treat it like a common day. It's not. It's not just another day. That would be to profane the Sabbath. God is saying, I want you not only to block it out, but I want you to keep it as a special day. That's why in that summary of the Ten Commandments, I use the phrase, keep the Sabbath day special. That's our language for it's not common. It's a special day. That's, and we have special days where we, 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 we mark off a whole day to it. Independence Day. For our nation, it's usually a day, well, I'm going to take off, and I'm going to celebrate. It's a special day. Birthdays, anniversaries days, Christmas celebration days are days that are marked, blocked out, and reserved, and they're not treated like other days. They're not profaned. They're not common they're special days. We all have them. God says, I want our time to be one of those special days where it is reserved for us. It's not a burden at all. It's something we look forward to. So block it out. Keep it set apart. Number three, keep it through family authority. I don't know how many times I read the fourth commandment before I saw this, but notice who is addressed in this commandment. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you. Who's the you? 
And he defines it. You shall labor and do all your work. So he's talking about somebody specifically. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter. Now we know who it is. It's somebody with son, with a son or a daughter. We call that person a parent. A mom or a dad. He's saying the fourth commandment gets observed rightly as parents do their job. Parents, you have work to do and you work six days. Sometimes you have servants that work for you. You have animals that work for you. You have tools and equipment that works for you. It's under your authority. You have to decide when those things don't work. I want you to decide as a parent to not work those things or those people on our day. In other words, the day is not just for me and you parents where you get everybody working for you and then you go off and have quality time with me. God says, that's not what I want. I want you to have such quality time with me that you spread it around. And everybody under your authority understands it. It will not be that special day that it needs to be unless parents do the job of training up their children, their employees, other people around them. This is a day I reserve as a man or a woman in authority over others. I reserve this day for God. We've got to block it out. We've got to keep it set apart. We've got to use the authority God has given us to remember it. It's got to start in the home. In other words, the Sabbath day is not supposed to be legislated by our government. It's not legislated by our church. It's legislated by our parents. The parents are the ones God has put in charge to make sure the Sabbath day. So from every home, the Sabbath day should be remembered and kept set apart. Number four, keep it work free. You saw me just read that. Uh, do all your work, work free. What does that mean? This is complicated, and I want to spend a, another subject where I, I define work here and talk about what's appropriate work, what's not appropriate work. From this, just this passage, you see that the general definition is what you do on the Lord's day is different than what you do the other six days. So however you might define work on six days, on the seventh day, the work is different in some regard. Now, I've got to define that out, and it'll take another whole message, because you all know you do a lot of work on the Lord's day. If you eat, you do a lot of work on the Lord's day. Somebody's working. Lots of work is going on on the Lord's day, and the Scripture even talks about, Jesus says, my Father has never stopped working, and I still work. So there's work on the seventh day, but there's non-work that He's obviously describing here so i want to get to that just be patient we'll spend some time on that uh like i said there's 90 or 89 other passages on the sabbath day to help us uh answer that some people say, think the answer is in isaiah 58 i'm going to, next week lord will and i'll spend our sabbath time on isaiah 58 it talks about the sabbath being a delight and how uh, some very unrighteous people were convinced they were doing the sabbath better than everybody else because of their delight in the Sabbath. So we'll look at Isaiah 58 next week. The week after that, Lord willing, what is work really on the Sabbath? And then, um, and it doesn't, 
kill all work, but it kills lots of work. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to try to answer some of your questions about the Sabbath and talk about Sabbath delight and some other things. So, but keep it work free. The passage in Exodus 20 says, In it you shall not do any work. So what can, how can I define it this morning? I think it means you don't show up at church, spend a few hours in, in, in worship, discipleship, and then you rush off to, back to your normal job. Because in six days you do your normal job. And the Sabbath day, it's like, no, you, you definitely break from that, and you're doing a special day. So all of us can define that to some degree immediately. Oh, okay, I get it. It's, it's that kind of thing where I would have to employ people to do. I'm employed to do, perhaps. Um, that needs to be distinguished. I'm not rushing off to get ahead and finish my work. It's, it's something that's different. Uh, a lot of times I get the question, I'll just go answer it right now. Uh, when does the work stop? start, when does it stop? The Jewish day was sunset to sunset. Uh, I think it's different in just about every culture. It's still a day is a day. The American culture, we tend to define a day from midnight to midnight. Um, I don't think we need to get that legalistic uh, because I don't, I don't stay up midnight to midnight. I don't know about you. Uh, but some of my Sabbath rest is shut eye. And uh, however you want to, to think of that time span, span, the Bible refers to it as a day, um, and it's clearly a day like the other six days. So it, it seems to be easiest to tag it as a 24-hour period. In our culture, it works from midnight to midnight. If you were in another culture, in a culture where... Uh, the sun and the moon act differently and our hours are all differently, you might do it in a different way. If you're in a Jew, you might do it sunset to sunset. But it's still a day. Let's keep it work-free. Um, notice also, before I leave the word work, just so you don't get real scared and real legalistic, it says, do on, the, on six days, do, verse 8, do all your work. On the seventh day, you shall not do any work. Notice what the prohibition is. He didn't say, on the Sabbath day, you shall not do any singing. You shall not do any resting. You shall not do any dancing. You shall not do any swimming. You shall not do any hiking. You shall not do any riding your bike. You shall not do any fishing. He didn't say any of these things. Why is that our focus? He said, don't do any work. So we need to define work, but we don't, have, we don't need to start supplying prohibitions to all these other things, which seems to be what people do. Well, you know you can't do that on Lord's Day. Well, the prohibition is don't do any work. We need to be real careful with the text and don't get scared that the Sabbath day, oh, you're just going to kill all of my joy. The Sabbath day, the Sabbath festivals were times of big feasting and dancing and worship and celebration. They weren't days of inactivity that become boring and dull. They were days where they didn't do any work. That was the prohibition. Number five, how do we keep the Sabbath day? Keep it filled with commemoration and reflection. It's a day where we commemorate, we remember. That's the way it started in Genesis 2. God says, I worked six days. 
And then I stopped, and I said, well, at the end of Genesis 1, behold, everything God made was good. He's stopping. He's reflecting. He's thinking back over all he's done in six days, and it's like unbelievable. But the seventh day was a day to do that, to commemorate all that had been done, to reflect on it. It was a day to rejoice in that work that had been done. It's a day filled with that. So remember it. Set it apart. Yes, rest. Then what? You commemorate. You reflect. You rejoice. Um, there's great stuff in the Scriptures on how to commemorate and reflect and the fun that can be. And it, it would make sense that if God created the whole world in six days, that, that you could walk around the world... You could spend some time just looking at creation and reflecting on it, all that God has done and made, and rejoice in it. That it's not a day where you're just stuck in a closet on your knees in prayer, but it's a day where you're doing much. And it's really fun because you're reflecting on much that's been done by our God. So let it be a day. Now, when you've done all of those Five things. You blocked it out. You kept it set apart. You used the authority God's given you to keep it work-free and filled with commemoration and reflection. Now, when your head hits the pillow at night, tonight, any Lord's Day, if you get to the place where you're about to go to sleep and you have not been with Jesus, you messed up the Sabbath. Why? Because the Sabbath is for time with God. Go back to the first things I said. This is our love time. This is quantity time with God. God says the reason I want this command is for us to have time together. So if you start creating all these things you're going to do on the Lord's Day and you do them, but you don't get with Jesus... In those things, if you're not spending time with Him, you're missing it. You're missing what it's saying. So make sure that's number one. That you are with Jesus on His special day, the Lord's day. Now, why? How about some motivation? Why should we do this? This is distinguishing us from the world. Matter of fact, Ezekiel Love to have some time to think through that. But Ezekiel talks about how the Sabbath day is a sign between us and the world. Christians and non-Christians are two different animals. And one of the things that distinguishes Christians from non-Christians is Christians have a sign, a, a Sabbath day. And the world looks at us like, y'all are different. Yeah, we are. And the... Sabbath day should be one of those things that's easily seen. It's a sign. It's a billboard that shows the world we're different and it's attractive. So if we've got the Sabbath day wrong, it's not going to be attractive. Let me give you some reasons why we should keep the Sabbath day. Number one, because God wants it. Verse 11, um, God says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Lord wanted to do this, do it this way. The Lord wants the Sabbath day. He says, I, I wanted to stop. Six days of work, I wanted to stop. 
And I wanted creation that, that I created, Adam and Eve, to stop with me. I want it. I want my creation to be imitators of me. God rested. He wants us to rest. Um, and you know, he didn't have to rest. The scripture says, Isaiah 40, God never grows weary. He never grows tired. He didn't, he didn't have to rest. He wanted to rest. He chose to rest. Not something his being told him he had to do or he would be exhausted. Because he's inexhaustible. Doesn't ever grow weary. Doesn't ever need to rest. We take great comfort that he never slumbers. That he never sleeps. His eye is always attentive to us. But he wanted a day of rest. And he chose a day of rest. And he wanted us to be imitators of him. Um, have you ever been in a room of people that they didn't want to be there? You ever been to a meeting where people uh, don't really want to do this meeting? I mean, you kind of pick up on it. And it's not a lot of fun. So I think this is one of the big motivations to understand about the Sabbath day. I, I, I don't know all the things you want to do. You don't know what I want to do. I don't know. There may be people in this room that want to spend time with me. I'm kind of like you. I, I, I just assume there's not a lot of people who do. But if, if you were to come and tell me, I want to take you to play golf this week. I want to go fishing with you this week. I want to go hunting with you this week. I, I, I want to play a game with you this week. I want to play some b-ball with you this week. I, I want to just sit on the porch with you this week and talk and, and share. I, I want to take you out for, for a meal or drink. I want to. Now, if you came and told me you wanted to do that, it changes my attitude. It changes my affections, doesn't it? Now I know what you want to do, and what you want to do is spend time with me, and that changes everything. We have a God who says, I want to spend time with you. It should change our attitude. It should change our affections. Because God, the creator of heaven and earth, wants to hang out with me. With you, and he's not ashamed to tell me so. He says, I, I've created time for us. I've created space. I've created a schedule that works for us. See that as a huge motivation. God does not enter time with you and shrug his shoulder. Oh, you created peon. I don't want to be here doesn't do that. God enters time with us and says, my precious child, created in my image. One I'm willing to shed my own son's blood for. Wow. I've been waiting for this. I want time with you. I don't know about you, but that motivates me. It changes my attitude about this day. I want to get up. I want 
to express my love for my loving God. Number two, because redemption needs to be celebrated. Look at a complimentary uh, verse, uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. It tells us here, it says, this goes along with the Sabbath command. Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave. So the commemoration that should take place, part of that's remembering our bondage, our slavery. You shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from Israel with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm. Therefore, here's the point, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, we know the Sabbath day was commanded way back in Genesis 1 and 2. But he's saying here, I, I also told you to remember that Sabbath day. And one of the reasons I wanted you to remember it when he gets to Deuteronomy is because you were in bondage. You were slave. When they were slaves in Egypt, I don't have any authority, but I would think the Egyptian slave owners probably didn't let them keep the Sabbath day. What, you want off? No, that's not happening. And they make them work seven days. And Jesus is reminding you, you remember that time, right? When you couldn't do this? You couldn't have time with me? I want you to remember, I delivered you from all of that. And I want there to be a day of commemoration and celebration. And we have a far greater bondage to remember. We were not just slaves in Egypt, but we were slaves to Satan. Walking about this earth doing his bidding, we were in sin, in bondage to sin. Christ delivers us. The Sabbath day needs to be a, a day where we do get together and sing. It should be a day where we are thankful in our prayers and our time with family and friends that we once were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now are alive, made together in Christ, rejoicing in the eternal hope of glory because of Christ. It's a day where redemption needs to be celebrated over and over and over. And if you do that, by the way, it destroys this idea that we have that we're self-made people. We're not. Oh, you should see what I had put myself through. You should see how I worked through that. You should see how I, I figured it out all by myself. All of that kind of language goes away when you have a weekly reminder. No, I, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was a slave. I was in bondage. I was hopeless. I was in this world without God and going to hell. Until Christ showed up. Until he came along. Until he redeemed me. And that changed everything. There was nothing I could do to earn my right to heaven. But Christ paid the penalty. He paid the cost. He died in my place. That kind of celebration needs to be taking place. And if it's taking place every day, every Lord's Day, then you're going to be remembering it every week. And we'll live not as self-made people, but as bondservants of Christ, excited to serve Him and love Him and praise Him and adore Him. And it will definitely distinguish us. Number three, because God has pledged a blessing. Interesting, not only did he set the day apart, but he says he blessed it. It's hard to know all that he did with that. But the, the end of verse 11, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I, I thought you already did that. So there's a sense in which 
setting apart, keeping it sacred, that's not all of the blessing he plans to bestow on that day. He didn't just declare the day special. He says, on the seventh day, I, I poured out blessings. I blessed it. I gave that day things that the other days don't have. Um, great blessings. Um, I called it here, the, the Lord's pledged. He's pledged to bless the Sabbath day. He, he makes His blessings fall on that day. You know, in the world, I was trying to think, what, what would be a corollary? In the world, somebody says, oh, there's, there's great blessings in the stock market right now. Everything's low. You can, you can get in. We all rush into the stock market. There's great blessings over here in exercise. Oh, we all rush over there in exercise. We want, what do we want to do? We want to be where the blessings fall. And what God is saying is, the blessings fall on those who are obedient to the Sabbath day. He says, he says I didn't only set it apart, I bless it. I bless it. His blessings fall out. And you can start thinking of some of the blessings you've received on the Lord's day that you don't get other times. You get this focus on God when you come to His house and you see His people and the Spirit begins to move through the people and you get the encouragement of God and you get turned a little back towards holiness and away from sin on the Lord's day. You get the benefits of the sacraments whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper, where, where you feel you're in communion and God is becoming a part of you and you, Him, your kids get again a glimpse of future that's bright, where heaven is real. There's so many blessings. I don't have time to just stop and meditate on the blessings that come to me on this day. I don't get the other days. Because this day is a day focused on God. And He pours out to us blessings. So see His pledge. He said, I, I want to bless those 52 times a year. Blessings pour out on the Lord's day. Number four, because God made it holy. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, verse 11, and made it holy. He made it set apart. I talked about that earlier. He didn't make it profane. He didn't make it common. He made it special. Um, God remembers the beauty in separateness, in being His. He makes it a special time. Um, if we, if we could just get a glimpse of coming out of our sin more and more and into His, His holiness. Well, you know, without love, we're nothing. Without time, we're really not lovers. And God has established a time for us to be lovers. Some of you might be here this morning and you say, I, 
not really interested in time to love God. Okay. Then I don't know why you would ever want to go to heaven. Isn't heaven spending time with God? And what, what is it if it's not that? It's, it's his place. It's his domain. Those who want to go to heaven want to see his face, want to be made like him, want to be removed from all sin. If you don't want time with God, you don't want heaven. If you say, well, no, I do want heaven. I... Well, then maybe you need a new heart, okay? You need a heart that changes you. Changes your attitude, changes your appetite, changes your affections. And that new heart is only a gift of Christ. Christ purchased that for you and he can give that to you. And that would be your need this morning. You can ask me. I'd love to tell you how to do that. You can ask other people who take communion meal. People who say, Christ is in me. I'd love to tell you how you can have a heart that loves him. And it becomes our all in all. Makes clear to us why we are here and where we're going. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you...